welcome back to the Tortured Fan Bases podcast. We've got a bit of an interesting episode for you today. Kind of a BVGM type simulation for both of our teams. We're going to do them in two separate episodes. I, of course, am Noah, joined by my co-host, Will. How are you doing, Will? I'm doing fantastic. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. How's the schoolwork? Schoolwork is kind of piling up now. Yeah, it's great. You can almost taste graduation, huh? Yeah, I know. We're getting there. Hopefully this distracts you. So the topic for this one will be looking at the Reds roster. And then this is primarily going to be Fife, but I'll chime in a little bit too. And we're going to talk about things that we would do differently. Moves that we loved, moves that we didn't love, moves that we think need to be made, guys that should be sent down to the minors, guys that should be traded, cut, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then we'll give our uh, 26-man roster prediction for the Reds within the episode based on the positions and how we go through it. So this is going to be a bit of an interesting one. Uh, You're going to see exactly why neither of us work in baseball because we're going to give some hot takes that I feel like people in baseball would listen to and be like, what the, what are these guys talking about? That's the whole point. Neither of us are experts. We just really like it. I think we don't work in baseball because it doesn't really pay anything. Really? Is that true? Yeah, it doesn't pay a whole lot. There's not a whole lot of jobs. Baseball teams are still... You would expect if they're getting into analytics that they would have just hundreds of people doing this work, and most of them don't have anywhere near that. I'd be curious to see what the like starting salary for someone working in analytics for a baseball team is, though. Not a lot. Really? Not a lot. Yeah, it's not a lot. Well, I guess if you're trying to pay tunes, try, try to pay people like Carlos Correa $30 million a year doesn't leave much in the analytics budget well it's they got the money they just don't feel like spending it because all the owners aren't analytics guys they want to get the most amount of bang for the least amount of buck that's true well certain teams are certain teams are doing it right but i think the twins are doing it right um you know for for every tampa bay rays you also have the colorado rockies so well the colorado rockies have a lot of issues and analytics is one of them um we can get into a whole episode of why the Rockies suck, uh, but let's keep it on the Reds. So where do you want to start? Do you want to start with starters, relievers, or position players? Yeah, uh, I'll, st- I'll start with uh, with the pitchers, right? Um, okay. So this is this is my how I would set the team up on opening day. It's probably going to be pretty similar to how it's actually going to be, but there will be a, a few differences, a few uh, spicy points in there. Um, mm-hmm. So the starting rotation's pretty set. Um, I think a couple of different places that you can look at, like Fangraphs and uh, the Reds, they have Luis Sesa as a uh, as a starter, and I don't I don't have that. I've got Hunter Green, Lodolo, Graham Ashcraft, uh, Luke Weaver, who they signed in the offseason, and uh, I would put Brandon Williamson in there, who is really one of the the main guys they got back in their litany of trades with the Mariners. And uh, he probably should have played in the major leagues last year, in all honesty. And I would start him in the big leagues this year. Was it a little service time manipulation, not giving him anything, not giving him a cup of coffee at the end of the end of the year? Probably, yeah. I mean, they, for whatever reason, they didn't they didn't play him at all last year in the majors, and he ended up with some uh, control regression in AAA. But they, I still think they should have played him last year. You know, there comes a point where you keep a prospect in the minors and it just seems like they're bound to regress because their confidence is going to get shot. You're exactly um, hopefully, right. Yeah, hopefully it doesn't happen to Brandon Williamson. Pretty exciting player. I mean, overall, it's it's not an awesome five-man rotation. It really isn't. Like, there's some upside there. Hunter Green's good. Nick Lodolo's good. 
but your three through five are going to leave something to be desired. So if you were going to make a move to upgrade this five-man rotation, who are you trading for? Who are you signing? I wouldn't. Why? So here, l- l- let's ask this question. This is the question that was asked really at the beginning of the offseason. What, like, what, what's the outcome here? Because if you are like Steve Cohen, right, and you've got tons of money, like it's possible to completely build up a team in an offseason, but it's very, very hard and generally doesn't work, right? Yeah, it'll be like interesting it, to see if the Mets are good. It takes a while to do that. Even if you spend a bunch of money and you bring a bunch of people in, it's still hard to do that. But you know what's not hard to do? What's that? Destroy all that work in one offseason. I mean, sure. the last team that the Reds had was years in the making. All the guys that they traded away, all the uh, contributors they had, years in the making, tons of work. And then in basically six months, they were all gone. The team was destroyed. So could you spend a bunch of money and build the team up? Yeah. I mean, there was talk in tw- before 2020 when uh, Zach Wheeler signed with the Phillies that the Reds were really on Zach Wheeler. And that would have been an exciting player. I'd be happy to have Zach Wheeler leading the rotation right now. But do you think if they'd signed him, he would still be around? No, probably not, even on a five-year deal. Yeah, I mean, you probably would have had to go to six or seven to even get him because you're not going to give him the average per year that the Phils did. Well, that's fine. That, I, I'm, I'm just saying, if, he was, if they had committed to him, would they have looked at it as, hey, he's going to be around for the next few years. He's our guy to lead this next team. No, they'd say, let's get maximum value for him. We're tearing everything down, which is... Whatever. And they're still in that mode right now. So like the last two years have had just a supernova of really good hitters, especially shortstops, which the Reds have really not had a good shortstop since Barry Larkin was around. True. They could have gotten any of those guys, right? You could look at it and said, hey, look, Dansby Swanson, he was available this offseason. He wasn't unattainable. So you go out and you get Dansby Swanson. Guess what? The rest of the roster still sucks, right? That's true. So, I I mean, what what did we really expect this offseason? I don't really think there was much they could have done. The best they can do now is give as many guys opportunities as possible. I mean, I think, obviously, we've talked about Green and Lodolo. Graham Ashcraft has some real upside. He's a, a pretty – he's got two really solid pitches. And I'm when I say really solid pitches, I mean weapons. He's got a nasty cutter and a nasty slider. Luke Weaver – he had like a six ERA last year and he's going to eat innings. That's what they got. So if you had to put a number on it of these three of these five guys at the end of the year, we'll say there's no injuries that happen to any of them. How many of them are still on the roster? How many of them are still starting for the Reds? I mean, I would say Weaver is not. I would say all four of these guys would be. How long do you think Weaver is going to make it? A couple months? Maybe. I mean, if he's not any good, they release him. They designate him. If he is any good at all, they'll trade him for something. It's not a bad signing, though. Just grabbing someone, a low-level one-year deal, eat some innings, and if they have a oh. good deal, they have a good, se- good season, just flip them for some parts. Yeah, and, you know, there's some, uh, there's some players in the minors that are going to get some time. Um, Justin Dunn is probably going to. They also got him from uh, Seattle. He is probably going to get some time. He was not very good at all when he last played. But, you know, he's a young arm. 
Um, Levi Stoud, who uh, they also got from Seattle. That's going to be a recurring theme. Um, he's going to get some time. So, I mean, they've got, they've got arms. They've got tons of young arms that they'll probably start throwing. I don't, I couldn't tell you who's going to actually end up there just based off of injuries and everything. But like, if I was the Reds, I would just throw as many young players as I can. Cause what do you really expect out of this? You know, you know, that's, that's fair. And that's a decent point, especially just trying to build this team, allowing players to get innings is crucial allowing them to just you know have some rough outings um, but also go out there and have some success and build off that is is crucial for the success the future success of this team oh yeah absolutely and i mean what's your other option you're not going to go out and spend a whole bunch of money for a rotation for a good rotation for a team that can't hit right that has i mean the reds have way too many flaws to go out and say hey we got jacob Degrom. that fixes everything doesn't come close. You know That's what I mean? True. That's true. Let's uh let's move on to the bullpen here because there are some pretty exciting players here, especially uh, Alexis Diaz, younger brother of Edwin, who yeah. we mentioned during the uh the podcast in the World Baseball Classic. This guy's got some filthy, filthy stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't mention him when we talked about the Reds, not because I forgot him, but because relievers are weird. I mean, mm-hmm. there's like four relievers that the Reds have that I don't really know anything about or really. They're guys, right? Buck Farmer was a, a random signing from Detroit. Connor Overton, he pitched okay last year. Fernando Cruz, same thing. Um, there's really three guys that I think are interesting. One's Alexis Diaz, and he was—I mean, he was nasty last year. He was basically unhittable. Yeah, uh, one eight four ERA. Yeah, I mean, he had two forty four ERA plus. Absolutely disgusting stuff. Um, if, we'll you look at, if you look at him and his brother throwing side-by-side, side, they look almost exactly the same. That's true. His walks are a little bit concerning, though. He had 33 and 63 innings. So, um, you know, but that really didn't affect his whip very much because no one could get a hit off him. His whip was still under one. Yeah. So, um, you know, if he locks down that control, I mean, you're talking about a possible top three, top five reliever in baseball. Upside is huge for this guy. I mean, the upside is he ends up like his brother. That's true. Probably won't have as many saves just because there won't be that many opportunities, though. Yeah, but saves don't matter. You know that. Uh, They will for his arbitration. Oh, we got... I mean, you've seen some of the stuff about arbitration, right? (laughs) See the uh, Corbin Burns debacle with the Brewers? Dude, wild. Ruining a relationship with the best player on the team over $750,000. What morons. topic for another day. That is. But yeah. Okay, so, so you've got Diaz, you've got a guy like uh, Lucas Sims, who's got just an absurd K rate at 40% yeah. back when he played in 2021. So it seems like the Reds here are banking on a lot of upside, pretty similar to what they're doing with the rotation. Let's just yeah. let some guys throw. And, you know, the kind of these older guys like a Buck Farmer, you know, if he's having a good year, you've seen relievers at the deadline every single year can fetch you a decent prospect if they're having a really good year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Lucas Sims is a guy who's always been – since the Reds got him, he's been a, a guy who's been pretty highly touted. They got him from um, Atlanta. And, I mean, he didn't play very much last year. He only got like six innings last year because he had back surgery. That You know, that's unfortunate for him. But when he pitched in 20, 2021, he was disgusting. I mean, he struck out 40% of the batters he he faced. He was top 10 in K to walk, K minus walk ratio, which just, you know, basically tells you how good you are at striking people out without walking them. He's... 
he can be absolutely disgusting when he's healthy. He just wasn't healthy last year. I think he is this year, and we'll see how he how he goes. Um, another guy who's exactly like that, TJ Antone. He is he played parts of two seasons in 2020 and 2021, and is just disgusting. He throws a nasty fastball. He's got a disgusting curveball, but he did have Tommy John surgery in 2021. So, um, I don't think he's gonna start the season perfectly healthy, but he is going to be on the roster to start the season. So. Very excited to see him back. Yeah, so that, like we said, there's some decent options here. I don't think this is going to masquerade as a top five bullpen in baseball. But uh, again, I don't think the Reds are making an effort to win too many games this year. And so having an average bullpen probably isn't going to help or hurt them. It's going to hurt It's going to hurt their chances to win, but it's probably going to help their overall management strategy of tanking and getting a good draft pick. Yeah, and you know, it. it what's really exciting is uh, Kyle Bodie, who of driveline fame. I mean, he was basically the Reds minor league pitching coordinator for like two, like three years. Mm-hmm. All these guys that are up here right now are guys who either learned under him or they picked up stuff from him. They are, the Reds are really making an effort to be really analytically advanced with this. I mean, I through uh, three years ago, whenever he left, he was talking about Hunter Green's slider. What happened last year? Hunter Green became unhittable once he started throwing a slider. He was talking about Graham Ashcraft. He was talking about TJ Antone, right? There's another guy that's uh, probably going to pitch in the major leagues at some point named Carson Spires. He was talking about him too. So you can see some of this advanced thinking that's really making its way to the major leagues, which is why I said, let's throw these guys as much as you can. But yeah, That's but really- true. And the Reds have always had decent pitching too. Um, there's there's always been kind of that guy at the front of the rotation, whether it's you know Johnny Cueto, Bronson Arroyo, back oh, in the 2000s. You're counting um, Bronson Arroyo as an ace? No, I'm counting him as a three five ERA guy. Uh, fun windup too, that high leg kick. But they've always kind of had a decent reputation among pitchers, and you know clearly the Twins think so because 40 percent of our starting rotation were Cincinnati Reds two years ago. Um, so, you know, when we look at the pitching side, I think this is probably the stronger side of the, of, of the ball here. I don't think their, their offense, their, their hitting is going to compare to the studs that they have in the, on the pitching staff, both in the starting rotation and the bullpen. Um, so it's going to get considerably less exciting for Reds fans as we continue to go down this list, I mean, but this year. Yeah. But in the future, some guys, I mean, the, you the... got some dudes coming up in the, in the minors. Yes. Um, so I guess we'll get right into that. Um, starting at catcher, they're going to run a, th- they're going to run a three man troop this year, um, which is exactly the same thing I would do. Um, led by Tyler Stevenson, basically you just want to get his bat in lineup as much as possible. He didn't play a ton last year; he only had like 150 plate appearances. But when he did play, he was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And we already talked about him, right? I think he will play some catcher but he'll also play a lot of DH and probably a little bit of first base too. Um, the other two guys, uh, Kurt Casale, probably going to be the primary catcher. Uh, Casale is, he was here in 2020 and he is a fan favorite. I like Kurt Casale. He actually had his best season, best career season in 2020. Uh, he went to, I think Toronto and then San Francisco and he's just a really solid defensive catcher. He hit fine, relative for a, a catcher with San Francisco, but I mean, his defensive stats were pretty solid. He had a, a three, five catcher ERA last season, which granted he had a pretty solid rotation with San Francisco, but 
It's true. I mean, he, he's still a guy that people really like. I'm excited to have him. Um, the other guy is Luke Mayo, who's really virtually the exact same guy. I mean, he had a three, four, seven catcher ERA last year. I think they're going to use those guys as much as they can behind the plate just to get some, you know, wear off of Stevenson and get his bat in the lineup. We'll see what they do. They're both righties, so I don't really know what, uh, there's not really going to be a platoon thing going on. I mean, all three of the catchers they have are righties, so I don't think you're going to see any of, of that weirdness going on, but, you know, it's it's pretty solid group. Yeah, I mean, there's there's really, like, no one super exciting uh, in the catcher room. Um, Stevenson's probably, Tyler St- or Stevenson's going to be the that, kind of that guy, but like you said, he's probably not going to play there. The advent of the DH in the National League is probably one of the best things for him because um, you don't have to sacrifice a bad catcher to get his bat in the lineup. Um, yeah. Probably the guy that I'm most excited for potentially on the, on the offensive side of the ball is going to be Will Myers. Uh, we talked about the signing. I think it's a great signing. You've got a buy low candidate on a guy that hits some taters. Um, I think he's going to have a pretty decent season. Again, wouldn't shock me if he gets flipped for spare parts at the, uh, at the trade, de- trade deadline, but I think you'll get a good first half out of him. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a bounce back candidate. We've already talked about him. He's, Got some serious power. He's the kind of guy the Reds should be signing every year. Somebody who maybe nobody else wants him. Maybe he's got some issues, but man, can he hit. And uh, I think he's probably going to start the season at first base just because Votto is more than likely not going to be ready. Um, But even when Votto does come back, they'll probably switch out as much as possible. They'll, They'll tango around with Stevenson and Myers and Votto at first base and DH, which is exactly the same thing I would do. Um, cause you know, Hey, you want to, you want to give Otto as much rest as possible. Um, especially he should be nice and fresh and returned coming off his shoulder surgery. And, uh, I want to get him in there as much as possible. That's true. Um, How are you feeling about the rest of the, uh, the rest of the infield here with, uh, in Jonathan India, Spencer steer, and then, uh, at shortstop, Kevin Newman and Jose Barrero, uh, second base and third base feeling solid. Jonathan India don't have any complaints with him. Spencer steer. I mean, they've made it known he's going to be playing third base most of the year, or he's at least it's his position. So, willing, exciting to see what he does with an extended look. Shortstop's a little weird. Jose Barrero has kind of been seen as the guy the last couple of years, and has just not been the guy. He hasn't hit very well. He's flashed some good defense, but they kind of looked at him as a hit first shortstop considering he is just a large human being. Uh, but yeah, they didn't really, he hasn't really done a whole lot. So I, I think they're kind of, that position is going to be a little, a little bare. I assume as soon as Ellie De La Cruz is ready, he's probably going to be playing that position. Yeah, I think that's pretty clear. These two guys are, they have no job security. Um, if Ellie De La Cruz has oh. a great camp and a great first month at AAA, it wouldn't shock me if one or two of these guys are going to be DFA'd or relegated to a bench role. Cause I think once Ellie Dale Cruz gets up to the majors, um, you got to play him and he's got to suck for a while. Um, he's kind of that boomer bust prospect where he's probably going to struggle. You know, he might have a hot first couple of months, first couple of weeks, but um, I think he's the future. And so you'd be kind of doing him a disservice if you're playing one of these guys over him and putting him on the bench. So they're basically just holding the fort down. Um, yeah. Spencer steer. I'm a, I'm a fan of Spencer steer as well. Uh, but Jonathan India, I think, is kind of an intriguing bounce-back candidate. He had a great rookie of the year, uh, rookie of the year season in 2021. 
Uh, in fact, he won the award. And then last year, he cratered. So after basically a four-war season, his rookie year, he was worth negative war, negative 0.4 war yesterday, last year. So he's a guy that could bounce back. You know, some of his numbers were down. He wasn't hitting as many homers, his on-base, uh, his ROBA, which is a measure of offensive contributions um, in, in run values, that cratered significantly from 377 and 319. So overall, his bat took a step back, but some of the rates didn't get as good. The, the walk percentage for him went down a little bit. So there's room for him to improve. Uh, and if he gets back to that four war player, I mean, you've got a pretty good infield there with Steer at third base and Indy at second base, and then Ellie De La Cruz bringing up shortstop probably by the end of the year. Yeah, and you know, he he probably was a, a little bit of a victim of of usage. I mean, they his rookie year they hit him towards the bottom of the lineup. Last year they tried to hit him a lot in the top of the order, a lot of the leadoff as well, and that probably changed a little bit about what he was doing. But I still believe Jonathan India. I I really like him. Um, Spencer Steer, I mean, he's he was of all the prospects, all the players they got back in all those trades last year. I mean, he was definitely seen as the most major league ready. And, you know, I, I think he's decent, decently impressive. Um, he kind of did what you'd expect a young player to do. Um, he really didn't tap into much of his power numbers. But you're just at that point, you're just trying to get a handle on major league pitching, right? And he seems to have done a pretty decent job. I mean, his strikeout rate was about the same as it was in AAA and his walk rate was actually better. Mm -hmm. So that just means once he gets handled on major league pitching, he'll probably be able to lock into that power. So I, yeah, there's definitely some upside in this infield. What are we feeling about the outside though? A lot of left-handed hitters. There's some, there's some decent names, but it's, it's a lot of an unknown um, as far as the outfield is concerned. What are you feeling about them? So this is probably where I'm going to have my first spicy take. Send it. Nick Senzel. I don't think he should be on the roster. Detail that for me. So Nick Senzel is he, at one point, he was the Reds' top prospect. He was a very good college bat. I think at one point he was like the second best prospect in baseball. Don't quote me on that. Yeah, he was up there. I mean, he's drafted and one, too. For whatever reason, he, he, was, he played in college as a third baseman, which that doesn't really translate to anything, but he, he was an infielder. And then what, for whatever reason, when he came up, because Eugenio Suarez was there, they said, hey, we're going to make him a center fielder. And you know what? That has so far not turned out to be good. I think they should have stuck him at second base. And he has just not been good. He's just not. I mean, he's he's played since 2019. He has not had a season that's been close to league average. You realize they gave 420 plate appearances to a guy that was 34% worse than league average as a hitter? Goodness gracious. He was awful last year. Now the only six, the only thing that's better is the only thing that's encouraging is that he had been kind of playing sporadically in 2020 and 2021, mainly because he kept getting hurt. Mm -hmm. And last year he played most of a full season and he made some really good strides defensively in center field. But we're talking about a center field position here, a, 2021, when he played, he had a 71 WRC+. plus. He was 255, 323, 315. Your center fielder hit one home run. Last year, your center fielder hit five home runs. I'm not saying home runs are all that matter, but he can't hit. He has shown yeah. nothing so far. He's had 1,000 major league plate appearances, which is 
a pretty decent marker of what kind of hitter you are. And he's been terrible. I wouldn't put him on the roster. So are you trying to trade him? Do you think you could even get anything for him? Or do you think this is just a pure DFA or does he have any options left? I don't, uh, I don't know. I'd have to look at that, but probably doesn't. If he's in his fourth season, he's probably out of option years. So he's probably a cut candidate DFA. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, if it was me, I wouldn't, or I would stick him on the bench. So my, I outfield, I would carry five outfielders. I would have Jake Fraley, who is actually, I, I'm interested in Jake, Jake Fraley. I would keep Will Benson on the major league roster. Nick Solak, who they traded with uh, Texas for this offseason. TJ Friedel and Michael Ciani. I would carry okay. all four of them. Or all five of them, excuse me. You know, five man outfield, it's 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 a little bit bigger, but you're not carrying a really a bench guy. Do you, well, is there any is there any depth in the outfield that could shift to the infield? Yeah, Nick Solak. Solak he go. he plays second, third, and left field. And I guess Pitch. if uh well if you're cutting Senzel, so you're losing some infield experience, but as long as you have a guy that can jump in between well, no. the outfield and the infield, you're good. Senzel has no professional infield experience. They made him a center fielder immediately, which I thought was not a good move. I was looking at his baseball reference and he played a couple innings at third and second base. How, what's a couple of innings? I didn't see. All I saw was five and four by his position, so I assumed they gave him decent time. Let's see. He had 2021. He played. He's played 10 games total at second, Oof. five at third, and 249 in center, in center. I wouldn't count that as infield experience. That's fair. That's fair. I'll stand corrected on that one. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, he should have because I would have put him in second immediately, but – you know, sometimes I think major league teams get a little too smart for themselves and they're like, yeah, you know, this guy's athletic. We could throw him out in center field. Center field is a hard position to play. To be fair, you know what? That's really not the problem because he actually has proven to be a pretty decent center fielder. Granted, it's one of the easiest center fields to play in baseball. Look, Sinsu Chu was a serviceable major league center fielder in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. That's how hard it is to play center field in Cincinnati. I love Shinsu Chu, not oh, just because of his name. He was such like, a fun awesome. player. Yeah. So that's what. And now the problem with this is you got four left-handed players: Fraley, Benson, Friedel, and Siani are all lefties. You know, majority of pitchers are right-handed though. So as long as they've got you know normal platoon splits, it might not be the worst thing in the world. Yeah, and I, I looked, and at least what I could find at the major league level, most of them don't. The only question mark is Benson, but. Here's what I would do. Actually, well, we just went through the roster. I'll go through my my lineup here. My opening, opening day lineup, I would have Jonathan India lead off at second. Batting second would be Spencer Steer at third. Third, I'm starting Stevenson at catcher just because it's first game of the season. I'm, yeah. put, I'm putting him at catcher. Throw your best bat there, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Will Myers playing first, batting fourth. Jake Fraley, I'm having him hit fifth. In left field. Will Benson's playing center, hitting sixth. TJ Friedel's playing right, hitting seventh. Michael Ciani's DHing, hitting eighth. And then he got Newman at short, batting last. That's what I would do. The big thing, too, will be uh, Joey Votto when he comes back. Where are you throwing him? Uh, I mean, I would maybe, uh, we'll see what he's got. I don't want to say I'd put him down towards the bottom of the, the lineup. But I also don't want to immediately put him at fourth. For the last couple of years, they were hitting him fourth no matter what. Roy Votto was never a fourth hitter. He was the well, quintessential leadoff or three-hole hitter. Here's the thing. 
Last season, he made a markedly noticeable change. He started to try and hit a lot of home runs. Mm-hmm. And he was doing pretty well. Whenever he uh, was it 2021, when he had that huge big, he almost hit, you know, eight and eight in a row or in eight games in a row. Yeah, I think so. That's kind of when he started that shift where he was moving away from the let's try and walk as much as possible. And he was thinking damage. So that's kind of where Votto's at now. And if what is interesting is he was not a horrible hitter last year with what he described as a, a, a shoulder injury all season that he had to have surgery for. Before that, he hit, what, he hit 36 home runs in 2021. Did you know that? I, no, he, he was never that guy. But he did. That, that's what he started becoming, right? He, I mean, if you look at his numbers, 2021, he struck out at a little bit higher rate towards 24%. He also hit 36 home runs. 24%, though, it's not good, but it's not awful considering where I mean, strikeouts are in Major League Baseball. He was at, listen, 2017, when he should have won the MVP, he struck out 11% of the time. So, you know, that's one of this, th- those absurd stats where you're just kind of like, you know what? Very well. Yeah, he's he also hit 36 home runs that year. So and he had a 454 crazy. OBP, which is just crazy. Yeah, he was wild. But I I would maybe, if, if Otto is, if he's hitting with some power, if he's really swinging the bat, he doesn't seem limited, which he shouldn't be now that he's had his shoulder surgery and actually seems to be rehabbing pretty well. Of course, I follow him on Instagram. I have to. Right. You see the video he put out on picture day where he did the yeah, Dwight Dwight Schrute. Schrute. Yeah. yeah. I never I, show my teeth. It's a sign of weakness in the wild. That was hilarious. I, I love Joey Bottle so much. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he his rehab seemed to be going well. He's all he was already hitting uh pretty early. So if he comes back with the same amount of power, I'd probably pencil him in at four and maybe move everyone down a little bit. Sounds good. What about some reinforcements? You know, we talked about Ellie De La Cruz. We've talked about Nick Senzel potentially leaving. Um, you're going to need some prospects coming up. You're going to need some guys in the minors. Who do you think is kind of that next man up? Who do you think is the first to call up? Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, as far as if you need infield help, uh, Alejo Lopez has been a guy the last couple of years. He's been up and down a little bit. Um, he'll probably be there. Also interesting, um, Noel V. Marte, who was really – probably the centerpiece of all the the Mariners trades. He was their best prospect they traded, at least ranking-wise. And he's also crazy athletic. He's wildly athletic. He also was on their 40-man roster, which means he would be... They did that so they could protect him for the Rule 5 draft, which means that some team somewhere would say that he is good enough to keep on their roster the entire season, which means he will probably play at some point this year. I don't know if that's going to be true or not, but they did put him on the 40-man. So, what are you looking at upside-wise for, for Noel V. Marte? Are you thinking, you know, starting second baseman, starting shortstop, or is it just kind of like, you know, high-quality backup infielder? It looks like he's probably going to be a third guy. He he doesn't he, – he, he's athletic, but he is not Ellie De La Cruz, O'Neal Cruz athletic. So he will probably – I mean, he'll have to move somewhere. The Reds have too many good shortstop prospects. <laughs> This is true. If you, if you go back to our offseason podcast, we started talking about some of their guys, and they are. I mean, we even get to them all. Ooh, I mean, yeah. Matt, Matt uh, McLean is also a very good shortstop prospect who's with the major league club in spring training. 
you know, a lot I think that of good prospects. That reflects a lot of what's going on right now is the Twins in 2020 had, you know, it was like a 10-round draft or whatever, and eight of their picks were shortstops. It's just I mean, like, you know, why would you draft a college second baseman or college third baseman? When you can draft a college shortstop, he's probably going to end up at second base. Like, that guy that is playing second base in college is because he can't play short, usually. Why would you pick that guy? The defensive the defensive upside just isn't there. Grabbing shortstops is perfect. You know, if two of the seven that you guys have that are top prospects work out, you've got a shortstop and you got a third baseman in the future, and that is a great thing to have. Yeah, and I think uh, I'm looking at fan graphs. They already have him slide in at third base for depth chart purposes. So that's probably where he'll end up. What that means for Spencer Steer, I don't know. I think Spencer Steer could probably play a little bit outfield. We'll see. That's true. Spencer Steer is very athletic. Um, I think you're going to want to get in his bat into the lineup after he adjusts to the major leagues. And yeah. so if Jonathan India has a has a you know return to form and Spencer Steer plays decently well for a second year player, you know you're talking about a one and a half to two war season. Um, you know you flip Will Myers to the deadline. Spencer Steer can move over there. You want to get his bat in the lineup. There's a lot of different options. There's a lot of different combinations. Uh, that outfield definitely leaves something to be desired. There's some upside there, but you know, overall the, the cupboard isn't necessarily bare. Uh, the Reds are definitely like you know at a minimum one to two years away from fielding a competitive roster. But I'll I think that. this is a really they'll, they'll give me hope. Yeah, but I think this is a really they'll imperative time. This is like uh, you know 2015, 16 for the Twins and their core that they had. You know, the Jorge Polanco, Max Kepler, Jose Brios core, where they're throwing these young guys out there and they're just getting innings and they're getting experience. Um, and if these are the guys that are going to take you into the next session of the competitive Cincinnati Reds, this is going to be a very pivotal season for them. You want them to get a lot of opportunities and you want them to struggle because if they're able to break themselves out of those struggles, then they're going to be a quality major leaguer. So, you know, this isn't the most exciting of seasons from a, for a Reds fan. I, I totally get that. But three, four years ago, three, four years from now, you could look back on this season and be like, okay, this is the season that they started to turn a corner. Is it going to translate into wins? Probably not. Yeah. I mean, I'll say this. So after the Reds' last competitive team, and I'm not saying two years ago. I'm saying like the, the, 20, the 20, 2009 to like 2012 team. That's fair. Yeah. After they – it seems to me that – and the current uh, front office was not in, in, in power then – it seemed that whenever they were trying to give all those guys away, right, they were trying to trade away Jay Bruce, Aroldis Chapman, uh, um, Edison Volquez, right, Johnny Cueto. They really went for quantity over quality with a lot of the prospects. For instance, they traded Aroldis Chapman to the Yankees, right? Yeah. Got almost nothing. They got a, the most useful player they got out of that was a, a reliever named Rookie Davis, who really wasn't that good at the major league level. Great name, the Yankees, though. Yeah. The Yankees then traded him for half a season of what will become uh, Glaber Torres. Yeah. And then immediately signed him back after he won a World Series. But that's that was, crazy. you know, Chapman yeah. is an interesting guy. Uh, there could be a but, whole podcast just about the last four years of his life. Oh, yeah. But that's that's what they were doing. They got a lot. They just got his, a bunch of prospects. And none of them were that exciting. We, so we went through four years of, would you like to, to take a guess? There is a team that currently holds the record, the regular season record for most starts by pure rookie pitchers. Would you I, like to I, guess what team owns that record? <laughs> I feel like it's a pretty obvious answer of the Cincinnati Reds. The 2017 Cincinnati Reds. How many starts? 
is like 82. Dude, that's half a season. Yes. How many of those guys were top prospects? No. How many of those guys are still in the majors? Uh, very few. So it was hard to watch because you looked at all the – like it, it just looked like they, they held on to a lot of those guys too long, right? And so one, when they were trotting out all these young players and none of them were really any good, it was just kind of disheartening, right? I don't feel that way that now. I think – I feel that a lot of the players they got, a lot of the prospects – have some real legitimately solid upside. And I actually want to see them play in the major leagues because even if only one of them is good, the overall level of talent, what we can expect is a lot higher than it was the last time they tried to rebuild. So even if it's going to be a bad year, there's still something to, to look into. Well, and you got to look at the future of the NL Central here. So if you break it down by teams, you have the Brewers who are very much trending downwards right now. Uh, you know, the whole Corbin Burns situation is frustrating for them as an organization. But then in addition to that, you have the Cubs who are kind of on the upswing. Uh, we'll see how long that lasts. The Pirates are gonna, yeah, the Pirates are going to be perpetually bad. Um, so there really isn't much in the way of competition. The uh, the Cardinals, will, they'll always be good. They're the Cardinals. Um, but the, there's no clear Dodgers, or there's no clear, you know, beginning of the millennia New York Yankees where they're just winning everything. So there's some, there's a chance here where the Reds could be, you know, kind of buying on this downswing and starting to actually reap the benefits. There could be a division title in the future, and this definitely not going to happen this year. And, you know, I'll, <laughs> I don't want to make a bet of what I'd do if the Reds won the uh won the division this let's year not, but i would be willing to bet not, let's not talk won't. about that let's not talk about fantasy okay <laughs> let's not do that but anyways like that's that's where the state of the reds roster is right now um there's probably not going to be any major additions um sorry guys there's going to be a lot of subtractions probably at the trade deadline uh and so that could lead to some pretty interesting additions you know this last trade deadline they had a pretty active one they acquired some pretty good prospects from the twins and elsewhere in other trades so wouldn't shock me if at the trade deadline you're seeing a will myers get flipped or something like that uh, that's just good team management. The bullpen's probably going to look incredibly different by about midseason, as it usually does. Um, some of these starting pitchers could could kind of hit a rough spot, but this will be a season for someone like a Hunter Green to take a really big step forward or a Nick Lodolo to continue to step forward. Kind of a, a, a good season to evaluate a guy like Graham Ashcraft and Brandon Williamson and see what they can bring to the table. So um, while it's not going to be the most exciting season for Reds fans, it's going to be a good season. I mean, if you could watch them. <laughs> Yeah, good season as we'll far see. as like player development is concerned. We'll, I won't we'll say see, good season uh, as in wins. We'll see what happens with the TV deals because the yeah. Reds are part of that. Well, the, yeah, the, it's affecting the Twins. It's affecting all the way down here in New Orleans, man. Ballet Sports does uh, Ballet Sports New Orleans. Oh, they, they have the Pelicans, Pelicans, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, Wild. That's going to be interesting to see that bankruptcy of the Diamond Sports Group. Uh, hopefully, there'll be some good things that bring about as far as like streaming of games and blackouts and stuff like that. I just want to watch the Reds, man. I just want to watch the Reds. <laughs> You're the one guy that's like, I really want to watch the Reds. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. That's fair. Anyways, guys, that was the episode on the Reds roster. The next episode will be focusing on the Twins roster. Um, so that one will be led primarily by me, uh, but Fife will be chiming chime in on that one as well. Um, a lot more chipper <laughs> better team Mike's <laughs> gonna be like man i don't want some of these guys back on my team give me back sunny gray well, kind of yeah <laughs> uh, i'd like to have sunny gray back i think you'd like to you're probably glad you got rid of tyler molly for the quality of prospects he got back eh, 
Uh, maybe I don't know. I like Tyler Malley. He was he was he was finally really hitting his stride. He's good, but he's broken, man. Uh, who isn't? He, uh, well, that's true. Inside. But he had shoulder stuff at the end of last year, and he kept getting MRI MRI after MRI, and they're like, "There's nothing wrong that we can see." He's like, "I don't know. I don't have any strength in my shoulder." Wait a second. So you're gonna you're gonna talk to me about players with injury issues, and you got Carlos Correa on your team? Really? <laughs> I do. But injury uh, this concerns. Will be a topic really? for, this will be a topic for the next episode. But I'm so worried that like. <laughs> He's going to sprain his ankle in camp, fun. and the Mets and Giants fans are going to be like, I knew it. I knew we should just Yeah, but that wouldn't be the same thing. If he sprained his ankle, that wouldn't be what they were worried about. I don't no, know. No, they'll make it. No, it'd be better if they're like, Carlos Correa suffered an ankle injury, and the teams are like, yes. Well, I don't want to say like it'd be good if he has an injury. I'd preface it with that, but they're like, Carlos Correa has an ankle injury, and those teams are like, okay, yeah, we, good we didn't sign him. It's like his other ankle or something like that. I feel like Steve Cohen would celebrate that. I feel like he'd have a party. Yeah, he'd go buy another company, or he'd go spend more on some free agents. <laughs> Yeah, what a midlife crisis to have. You know what I mean? I mean, you got you got billions. At least you spent billions on a baseball team, man. Right. If I had billions of dollars, I would spend it on a baseball team, and then I'd go on a spending spree and attract all those free agents. What, yeah, what a I mean, life. I wouldn't buy the Mets, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. Meanwhile, us middle classers are Listen, midlife crisis is going to be buying, like, an Audi or something. I, I got to tell you, I've thought many times about if I had a billion dollars, how I would buy the Angels and give Mike Trout and Shohei Otani a winner. I've thought about that a lot. A billion dollars isn't going to do it, bro. You need at least five. But think, um, the Angels already have money. They're just bad at spending it. Oh, man. I know, but I'm talking about like buying the team itself. You know what I mean? Like if I just had a, if I just had like a billion dollars to spend on a baseball team outside of buying it, just think of the team you could give Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. Give it half of it to Shohei. Come on. That's fine. He deserves it. Could you imagine the first team with two four hundred million dollar men, and still gonna go, still gonna win seventy five? <laughs> yeah, still gonna go seventy five and eighty four. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, thanks for listening. We'll, we appreciate uh, it. We'll see you next time talking about the twins. Good deal. Thanks, guys.